Real people. Real opinions. Real talk radio. The multi-award-winning Niall Boylan Show. Classic Hits. Now, we have a lot to get through, but of course, obviously, um, the main story and the only story really everybody is consumed by is COVID-19 and the coronavirus. And there's so much to talk about in relation to it, particularly, uh, for example, in Northern Ireland at the moment. Um, well, certainly it's a question to ask. If there is another election, by the way, would you base your choices on how different politicians handle this situation, whether they were doing it for the better good or on their own political gain? But certainly one person, and I certainly... It's, no public secret, I wouldn't be a fan of Sinn Féin. But Michelle O'Neill of the North has certainly said that she has nailed her colours to the mast and are saying that because, of course, we're all on the same island of Ireland, uh, whether it be Great Britain or the Republic of Ireland, um, we need to make the same decisions. And she is obviously applauding Leo Varadkar for his decisions. And Simon Harrison said Northern Ireland should do exactly the same when it comes to closing the schools. I'm surprised to see Stephen Nolan from Belfast having a go at her. He should be supporting her, if anything at all. Uh, also as well, of course, a lot of decisions are being made today again Simon Harris has announced that if anybody comes back from Spain um, that you must or Italy obviously uh, that you must self-isolate and self-restrict yourself for two weeks and that means that you have to take two weeks off work 14 days of course that keeps you clear and uh, stay away from as many people as possible now we know look you can't be a hermit either you have to interact with people in some way but obviously keeping your distance is the most important thing but yesterday, of course, what we saw, you know, uh, within hours of the government telling people not to panic, supermarkets were reporting huge increases in the numbers of shoppers at the tills. Uh, I myself was in JC's yesterday in Swords, and you think it was the day before Christmas Eve. Um, my son was over in Dundrum and, the, and Tesco's, and the shelves were literally, and I mean literally, empty. I saw like one item on one of the shelves. It was absolutely mayhem. And the scenes at the stores all over the country are remarkable. Aisles of empty shelves that are simply no logic to people doing this kind of grab all in shops. And sure, there are people who are stocking up and I understand that, that maybe they might want to self-isolate and they're kind of stocking up in the food to save them going out and interacting with other people. But there are people who are buying for vulnerable family friends as well. Uh, maybe they're buying for the elderly. I can understand that. I hope they are doing that, but that's a good thing. And there are people who are simply doing a big shop because the children will be off school and they want some food in the cupboards I suppose to keep them occupied but then there is the shopper spotted in Aldi in Palmerstown this evening with a trolley virtually full of instant noodles and creamed rice that was yesterday evening sorry and there are people buying I suppose loaves and loaves of bread uh, there are people who are buying food that will last them weeks and probably a lot of that they will probably dump it as well because they won't get to use it all now Retail Excellence which represents the big retailers has been providing reassurance since early yesterday that the supply chains uh, that keep our shop, all the food on the shelves are stocked and are solid so there is no need for this. So let me go to David Fitzsimons. David is from the group and is the Chief Executive of Retail Excellence Ireland. Uh, David, good afternoon to you. Hi, Niall. Okay, why do you think people are doing, why are people panicking? I mean, there's no, I mean, can we reassure people that we're not going to run out of food? Yeah, well, to your first point, the reason people are panicking is um, we live in a, an age of social media and obviously there's a lot of images of empty shelves going around. I think psychologically as well, Niall, people, when they heard the Taoiseach's announcement, they reverted back to the beast from the east when the advice was to stay at home and to hunker down, whereas the advice today is, is not stay at home. It's to get out, have a walk in the park, 
um, go and buy a pint of milk, have a pint of Guinness. Yeah, because there's, uh, there's nothing going to stop staff from getting to shops, because that was the problem we had with the Beastie East. Staff or people couldn't get to open the doors of the shops. Well, exactly. delivery vehicles yeah. couldn't deliver Brennan's bread and all that kind of stuff. So The, the famous Brennan's bread, <laughs> yes. <laughs> so that's completely different today. So we've been tremendously lucky in that... Um, the Department of Business and Enterprise and ourselves have been working on a hard Brexit plan over the last two years. So we, we had thought we were moving to a phase where we would not no longer buy grocery product in from the UK. So, so to counter that, we were working with the grocery multiples to enhance and increase their warehousing and di- distribution capabilities, which they have done. And also for grocery retailers to commence sourcing more locally, uh, and they've also done this. So the, those measures have really helped us in terms of the COVID-19 virus. Um, we're fully stocked in Ireland. Every, every warehouse and distribution centre is full. Every time a pallet of beans leaves um, a distribution centre and goes to a shop around the country, another pallet of beans arrives in from the manufacturer. So but is, is the fear from people that, you know, if Johnny and Mary are self-isolating or maybe their friend has COVID-19, that they might not be going to work? Because I've, we've obviously, I, I drove to work today and there's a, you can see a dramatic change in the amount of traffic that's on the road. Everybody can see that, not just because the schools and colleges are off, but just because some people are working from home, etc., etc. So are people concerned that maybe the shops won't have the staff to open or that maybe the manufacturers won't have the staff to produce the goods? We've seen this with the toilet rolls and that, that phase or that fad has come from Australia where toilet rolls are produced in China. Over here they're not produced in China, they're produced here and in the UK. So they're not going to, we're not going to run short of toilet rolls. So is it is it that people are worried that staff won't get to shops or the shops might close or something like that? Yeah, I think there was initial uh, initial phase of, of panic um, yesterday and, and to some degree the day before. I think that's now dissipated today and we're all accepting of the situation. And, and look, all they can do is reassure everyone that tomorrow morning when they go into their local shop, the shelves will be full. And likewise, on Sunday morning and Monday morning and right through for the next couple of years, mm-hmm. um, there's, there's, absolute, there's enough to worry about in terms of hygiene and, and, and caring for people and supporting one another without, without us kind of worrying about stuff that, that isn't, it should, we shouldn't, shouldn't be worrying about. about. I mean, are your members concerned, by the way, going forward? Obviously, you know, people are self-isolating. Obviously, there is a change in society and that's going to probably last a, a number of months, which is going to have a devastating effect on business in general, not just on the hospitality industry, but certainly on the retail sector where people sure. are only going to be buying necessary provisions and items and they're not going to be kind of wandering into their local electronics store to pick up a tea or those kind of things are probably going to be put on the long finger, which is going to affect business long term, you know, in the short term, certainly, but certainly in the long term, too. With them, we could see businesses going to the wall. Are members expressing those concerns? At the moment? Oh, indeed, Niall, you're, you're totally on the money. So while, while grocery stores are busy today, um, obviously people aren't in the mood to go out and buy a new frock or a new sofa or a new TV. And um, I'm just off a call with government there in terms of emergency supports we need to put in place to to assist those retail businesses that are quiet today. Um, mm. And that will include rates deferment, rental payment deferment, um, payments of to the revenue deferment. Is there a possibility, like the last time uh, during the recession where we had the VAT reduction for the hospitality industry, is there a possibility or a suggestion of that? Absolutely, everything is being considered at the moment, Niall. Um, indeed, even emergency legislation to mandate commercial landlords to reduce commercial rents. 
Um, so it's a very live situation, and, mm. and the government is fully cognizant of what's going on in Ireland Is today. there any, any kind of predictions? I mean, I know it's very difficult for you to predict personally, but is there any international predictions on how we believe this is going to affect, I suppose, not just Ireland, but the world? Because I did read an article in the New York Times about a global recession, and that must be very concerning for the, the members, for your members in particular. Yeah, I had a conference call with a number of countries yesterday. I'm on a global board, so, you know, I was, I was talking to my colleague in China, my colleague in the US, my colleague in Australia. And and just a couple of points. No, number one is some of those countries are th- three, four, five weeks ahead of us in terms of COVID-19. Mm-hmm. In all of those countries, there's never or has not been any food shortage of any type. Um, they're now talking about coming out of the phase of infection and infections reducing. So... Let me reassure you and your listeners, Niall, you know, we've got a challenging few weeks ahead, but in, in eight to ten weeks' time, we're going to wake up and COVID-19 will be gone and the we sun hope, will be hope, shining. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it will. And the sun will be shining and we'll get back to our normal lives. So, look, in the intervening period, we, we all need to calm down. We need to stop panic buying and stop sharing on social media images of empty shelves. We need to look after the elderly and those in need. We need to have a real community focus in terms of getting on and supporting one another. And if we do that, we'll be absolutely fine. Yeah, and to be honest with you, I, I'm going to put my hand up and say, David, I'm probably guilty because I did tweet a picture last night of empty shelves, but I suppose I was tweeting it in the negative, suggesting, like, why are people doing this? So maybe I am guilty of that too, and maybe that probably doesn't help the matter, so maybe I've learned something well, myself as well. Well, you delete your Twitter account now, and I'll places of that, okay? Yeah, maybe I am guilty of that. Actually, I'll tell you what I'll do. I will do that. I'll get Alina to do that. <laughs> actually delete that tweet right now, right? Great. Because, because I do feel you're right. That probably has the opposite effect to the effect that I wanted to have. Uh, and I can understand why. Yeah, go, in, go into Tesco or Dunn's or JC's tomorrow morning, first thing, Niall. And, and ah, tweet just a, JC's for me. It's only JC's. Okay, okay. well, yeah. fair play. And I want you to tweet a picture of the shelves tomorrow morning at 8 a.m., okay? All right. They, I, they'll I, be full. I shall, I shall do that. And, and thank you very much indeed. Now, and my producer just told me she's just deleted that tweet. All right. <laughs> thank you, Niall. All right, listen, thank you very much All indeed. David and Simon, uh, Group right. Chief Executive with Retail Excellence Ireland. And he's talking about the panic buying. And obviously, he's reassuring everybody. The food on the shelves will still be there tomorrow. It'll still be there on Saturday. Those shelves will be restocked again. There is no need for you to panic buy. I understand that people might want to avoid going out and instead of maybe doing two or three shops a week in smaller shop, they're going to do a big one in Tesco's or a big one in JC's or a big one in Dunn's or whatever it happens to be. And I can understand why you might want to do that. But in saying that, try your best to do things as normal because nothing is going to change. When I say as normal... When you are going out, if you want to cough, cough into your elbow. When you are going out, keep your distance from people. If you are going to sneeze or cough, find an area where there isn't any people and do it. Because obviously it concerns people when they see people coughing or sneezing. It's like you've killed their firstborn when they look at you and you do something like that. But find an area where I suppose you would have a bit of privacy. Try to hold the sneeze in or the cough in and try and find an area where you, you, know, you won't just alarm other people. So keep your space, keep your distance. Because if we continue to panic by and do what we did yesterday, when I say we, not me, the rest of you, do what you did yesterday... All that's going to happen is you're going to have more people in one place at the one time, which increases the risk. So it's actually counterproductive. All right. So please try your best to, you know, obey those instructions. All right. Um, Do you want me to hang on, Helena? Yeah. All right. 
Um, I'm just reading some of the text here. Wonder will the ladies of the night still get visitors? Ah, would you stop? Is that their first thought today, by the way? You can text or WhatsApp if you want to the numbers 087-188-0008 and let us know how you feel. Let me go to Christian Lindemar, who is a, uh, the, with the WHO and a media spokesperson. Uh, Christian, good afternoon to you. Good afternoon to you. Thanks for having me. It's nice to talk to you again. We, we spoke to you going back about three, four weeks ago, I suppose, when Ireland kind of got its first case, which was a little over two, nearly two weeks ago now. Now, I suppose, like most other countries, we're seeing that escalating. I mean, what is the latest from the WHO in relation to, I suppose, people's concerns about mortality rates, first of all? Have we defined or come up with a very accurate figure yet for that? So, yeah, you're indeed right. So things have changed a bit since a couple of weeks ago, unfortunately. Um, the mortality rate, more or less, is approximately the same. But it depends a lot on the setting. And let me just give you one example. For example, um, a couple of days ago, we had approximately the same 7,700 cases of uh, infections in Italy as we had in the Republic of Korea at the very same time. Yet the, uh, the, the death rate uh, was extremely different. There were close to 400 in Italy and about 60 in Korea at that time. So at the same time, this doesn't hint at anything. So it would, we would have to look at every single case, at every single patient, underlying conditions, and so on and so forth, to say whether there's any significant change in there or any difference. So no, the, the, the risk groups remain the same, and that's very important. The, uh, the elderly population, the older people, and uh, the ones with underlying conditions. They are most at risk, mm -hmm. um, but that doesn't mean that the others shouldn't be careful because even if you're not having any greater problems with an infection, you are, could be the one carrying forward to any of another risk group. So everybody has to be just as careful. The Irish government have said that they're taking advice from the WHO. Um, Ireland seemed to have taken the lead at a very early stage in this comparison to other countries who waited uh, probably a lot longer before they closed schools, colleges, public buildings. We made that decision yesterday. Were we too early to make that decision or is that the right time to make that decision? Look, the best right now which can be done is fighting this virus as aggressive as possible. And we've seen from other examples from other countries that uh, this aggressive shutting down of places and especially closing um, public events or public uh, buildings where there's a greater amount of people coming together has been successful. At the same time, the most important part still remains the tracking and the tracing of the individual patient. It's still possible to contain this virus if we find every patient and especially the contract and monitor the patient, the contacts of these patients. It's a very laborious work. It might be very intensive and maybe costly, but at the same time, it should be way less costly than shutting down a whole economy. Because, it, I mean, I understand how difficult that can be, contact tracing, because if somebody has it, it can all be, almost be infinite, the amount of people that have been in connection with that person because their sister could have been in connection with their friend and their friend met 40 people in a college and those 40 people met, you know, another 400 people. So it's almost like a pyramid. So that can be really quite difficult, which is nigh on impossible, but I suppose you can guess the core people. Is, is, that's the whole point, isn't it? it? It's exactly true. It's a snowball effect. But, you know, it has been done in the Democratic Republic of Congo um, with all the Ebola patients during a, a civil war situation while shooting is ongoing. So under very, very stressful conditions. So it is possible, but it is involves a real laborious task because you're exactly right. You have to 
you know, just imagine you're getting on a bus and you're getting off the bus. So you have to find the people who have been on the bus. You have to find the people who the people on the bus have been contacting afterwards, who are the friends you have been hanging out for a beer in the evening. So this is indeed a very, very laborious job, Mm -hmm. but it can be done. Okay, we could spend all day talking about the bad news. And sadly, many of us are probably going to lose loved ones or friends or particularly elderly people, grandmothers and grandfathers. Uh, over the course of the next few months. That's that's a given and we know that. That's the bad news. Is there any light at the end of the tunnel in relation to, say, a cure, uh, i.e. medication that will help us with the symptoms or indeed a vaccine which will help us going forward to stop this eventually and bring it to an end in the coming years? Is is there any light at the end of the tunnel yet? So we're seeing, uh, got a lot of good signals from different countries around the world, from different laboratories and science institutes about uh, finding a treatment. Uh, which would be a first very good step. A vaccine at any rate is would be 12 to 18 months away, so we shouldn't put our, our eyes out for this. We should definitely work on it and have to work on it, but that's not our short-term engagement. The, the short-term situation is really there's a lot the individual can do, and social distancing, unfortunately, is a big chunk of it, and the results of this are literally in our hands. So um, that's a big part of responsibility. Well, could, but could I ask you a question? When we talk about social distancing, right, it's better if we know we have it. For example, there are probably many people who have it who don't even know they have it, right? So it wouldn't it be great if we all knew, well, I have it, so I can kind of stay away from people or whatever it happens to be. I believe in actually Singapore, they actually have an app on your phone that you can log into so you know if somebody in the area has it, okay, which anonymously, which is a good, I think is a good thing. But I mean, I know Bill Gates is currently involved in home testing kits. Um, and this is a new kit whereby, you know, you take your swab, you stick it in the post, and, a, a, you know, a day later or two days later, you get back the results. Is that a possibility that that will become more widespread? Therefore, we will all know if we have it. And when those who do have it, then can then keep their distance or stay away, which would be great, wouldn't it be, for, for society and the community? Um. On the one hand, that's a good idea, but on the other hand, you could, it could be a bit misleading because it's not only a person-to-person which is infectious. You could have a, a surface which is, which is contaminated or, or anything which somebody has been touching you you don't see on your app had been walking by. So uh, I would be a bit cautious about these things. But in general, you're right. Of course, it's ideal to know myself if I'm infected or not, and that's why we encourage testing uh, at a high rate because everybody should know their status and we should know who's infectious or not. Uh, so you can stay away from things, have neighbors get their shopping done, for example, and place them outside your door rather than going shopping yourself. Many, many, many things can be done. Solidarity at this point is highly, highly, highly important. Is, it, is, is there any new tests on the way? At the moment, the test takes probably 12 hours, which is a long time and a lot can happen in 12 hours. But mind, mind you, that gives them a little bit of time for the contact tracing. But is it possible that there may be a test that will take a shorter period of time on the way? Is there even a, any possibility of that soon? There are tests on the way. That is exactly true. But on the other hand, yes, uh, we're still having these the, the, the swab tests, which need to go to a laboratory, and they still need uh, some time. Um, there are rapid tests or quicker tests, so to say. Um, but for, in order to be sure, you need, still need to do the swab test. Mm. Um, but we're looking out for uh, something better. Let's see if it works or not. And in relation to, I suppose, a prediction for the future, I know, Kristen, you don't have a crystal ball, and I, I, under, I, I appreciate that you don't have a crystal ball. But, I mean, obviously we have experience from other viruses that we've had before, which were very different to this one. I know people are almost comparing this with the Spanish flu rather than comparing it with SARS or, or Ebola or any of the other ones, which were more, very different types of viruses. A prediction for the future, do you think this is with us for a long time 
or can you see us, you know, eradicating this in a shorter period? When I say shorter period, somewhere between a year or two years. That is the big question, which is which is still out there, and even scientists are are, are of different opinions here. From the idea that it's kind of more of a seasonal uh, thing, which will be with us for the years to come, or whether in case we develop now something like a herd immunity that means that enough people have had it or have been then at some point vaccinated, it will just vanish and go away. Um, it's an unclear situation. Um, and um, yes, you can imagine how, how many scientists are working strongly, strongly in finding out what the future could possibly bring and trying a bit of a glimpse of, glimpse of that crystal ball that you're talking about. And, and finally, in relation to social media, which has played a huge role, we've never had social media, I suppose, as such when we've had other dangerous viruses in the world. Well, I suppose the swine flu was the most recent. We did have some level of social media, but not to the point we have now. Social media, of course, is perpetrating a lot of truths, but it's also perpetrating a lot of myths uh, in relation to how people can help themselves, etc., etc. How has that affected this virus, social media? Do you believe it has, has an impact on it? Uh, it definitely has. I mean, as with every other thing, this, this metal definitely has, has, or this coin definitely has two sides. So the misinformation which has been going out about has been spreading fears, has been even causing damage because people have, might have been taking, you know, remedies or taking uh, any, any, any lotion or solution which they think would help in the best thinking, of course. We had examples where individuals or group try to make money out of all of this um and then of course uh, you have the good side of it uh, which means now as we're having to experience social distancing on a large scale global uh, global scale social media will help us to stay in touch with people and uh, maybe stay saner as if we would have been in a completely isolated stage all right well listen thank you very much indeed kristen lindemar who is the uh, spokesperson with the who appreciate you coming on the air well i'm sure we'll talk to you again thank you very much well, grant for having me thanks uh, let me go to Angela as well. Angela, you're on Classic Kids. How are you doing, Angela? Hi, Niall. How are you? Good. Angela, were you a panic buying yesterday? Pardon? Sorry. You... I just... Oh, are you minding children? Yes, I am. Right, okay. We're off school today. Ah, I <laughs> see. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, they're saying the next two weeks, but they are saying that could be extended, by the way, so I don't yeah, want to worry don't, everybody. Don't say that right now, please, Niall. Everything's going to be all nice and rosy now in two weeks. No, it's <laughs> okay. Well, I, I, I wish you well on that, all right? <laughs> um, by the way, I did, can I just, as a point of interest, can I say I feel so sorry for parents who have their children in crashes and are working because they were literally landed with this information yesterday afternoon with no warning. And, and I understand yeah. it's in the, the greater good and all that kind of stuff, but, you know, it is difficult as a parent when somebody suddenly says, um, there's no crash tomorrow for your child, you're going to have to find somebody else to mind them. And you go into panic and, who's going to mind me, child? You know what I mean? So mm. You know, and I'm kind of like, just, just to say that, I'm kind of lucky that normally, you know, I pick them up from school one from kind of, um, you know, play school and one from the other one. But that's the one thing I've always said is I'm available in the morning in case they're sick or in case, and this is the exact reason why. Yeah. Because yesterday it's like, we need you early. Um, So you were called on yesterday. We need you to mind our children, Angela. (laughs) Okay, but Angela, were you stockpiling? Did you you go into the panic? Did you get the fever like everybody else yesterday? It was absolutely ridiculous. I, like, I'll tell you now, I'll be very honest myself, and my partner went into Tesco's, and I had to laugh, because if I didn't laugh, I was going to cry. With the empty shelves, and, like, even flour. 
the at- and the attitude of people. They were arguing oh, with each other, trying to yeah, take things off other. each other. Yeah, I know that there was guards called to um, one of the stores in Douglas and Cork because a big brawl broke out. Over a, probably over a packet of toilet rolls. Over toilet rolls and bread. <laughs> so I should. Like, I should laugh. No, but it is because, as I said, if you don't laugh, you're going to cry. Yeah. Like my whole thing is, I'm very lucky that both my parents, yes, they're elderly. They're both seventy-four this year. Sorry, fifty years married tomorrow. Congratulations um, to them. And, what's, yeah, their, what's their name? Say their names. Go on. Rose and John Nolan. Right, Rose okay. And dad, I'm going to get killed. But um, the thing is, like, they're both my mobile. They're both, you know. But what I was thinking yesterday is, yeah, the poor elderly who get their pension today, you know, go down to do their shopping. And, there's n- and, and there's there was nothing, nothing on there. the shelves last night. Yeah, yeah. Nothing on the shelves. Yeah. Like, I went and I bought packets of toilet rolls. I bought two sets of four packets. Four toilet rolls. Right. Eight toilet rolls I bought yesterday. Right. And would you normally... You know, but here's the thing. Would you normally buy eight? Or would you normally well, just buy one pack? I do, do you know what? I'd normally buy the 24. Oh, right. Okay. I'd normally buy... I would honestly more normally buy the 24 until it goes out. Well, there's but no, you know well, there's no problem with your said. system, so is there? No. Well, <laughs> put up yesterday. If you're buying eight packs of 24 rolls, you shouldn't be worried about the coronavirus. <laughs> yeah, you should, be, you should be going to see a doctor. Can we assure people that the coronavirus doesn't affect your stomach? <laughs> All right. So, Are you coughing, you know, Angela? Don't cough into the I'm phone. I'm coughing. Uh, that's, that's the other thing. I'm going you know, to I'm have now. to spray you now. I'm going to have to... <laughs> yeah. on, 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 on. But I went, I went and got my nails done this morning and, um, you know, because, let's say, my boss, she owns a salon. And I felt so sorry for her today with the amount of people who were cancelling. I know, I know. I know somebody else in the same, a similar type of business. And yesterday, half his uh, consultations, so to speak, yeah. were, were cancelled. And he has nearly them all cancelled today. And he also, a lot of his stock comes from China. And he's had problems yeah. getting stuff in from China recently because a lot of, it's not that they can't get deliveries out of China, but a lot of the factories are closed and the staff are not working. So anything that's already been produced is grand. They can get it out of China. But, but they can't produce They more. can produce more. And he reckons he'll be out of business in a couple of weeks. But do, do you know what the biggest contradiction of all of this is? Like they, they said yesterday, okay, um, any gatherings of 100 people or more or anything like that. Sorry, there was about 10,000 people inside in Tesco's yesterday. None of you gave a crap about that. Bringing your I, and this is, this is what I can't understand. It, what happened yesterday actually was counterproductive. Yes, because the absolutely. shops were jammed with people breathing and coughing on each other. Yeah. So, and you know what and I felt I, sorry for? The poor checkout girls and guys. Because, yeah, and and, and listen, maybe I'm being stereotypical because the majority are girls. Uh, but there are some yeah. men. But the, they're sitting there and they have to handle all that food and all that money. Yeah. And you're breeding on them and talking to them. And I, I felt kind of, because there's nothing they could do. They have to go to work. They've been told they, they have, have to go to work. They can't work. work from at home. like. You know, and it's, it's like, as I said, there's like thousands of people inside there yesterday, whereas they were all told to stay at home. And like, as that gentleman said, um, my sister's best friend, I won't mention companies, right, works for a logistics company that handles all of one of the big retailer stuff, right? right? They don't have enough room in the warehouse for everything they've ordered in. Yeah. So that should tell you. There's no problem. And that's what we talked to Retail Excellence there a minute ago. There's no problem with stuff. Stay there a second, Angela, by the way. Somebody says, no, she's making me feel guilty now about wiping me jacksy. <laughs> I only bought a medium pack, says Kevin Limerick. Yeah, what, where, who's going to use all these toilet rolls? Just very quickly before we go in the break. 
the the whole toilet roll thing, right? This is where just let's put this to bed once and for all, right? In Australia, where the panic buying started first, Australian toilet rolls are made in China. They were worried that there wasn't going to be enough produced and exported to Australia, so people started to panic buy the toilet roll, right? That then spread across the world. There is no need to do it here because our toilet rolls are not made in China. They're made in the UK and Ireland. Jackie, you're on Classic Kids. How are you doing, Jackie? I'm fine, thank you. Good. You lost your business two days ago. Uh, on Tuesday, yes. Okay. Um, I have, what, what, did I you, have what was your business, by the way? What was your business, can I ask? Um, kind of, um, I'm dealing with the public and I deal near the, the hospital, so it's quite dangerous for people and people are afraid to come to me. But when I went into the social welfare, obviously I'm a small business. Okay. So I paid my 500 euros a, a year. You're a, li- a year. you're a little bit muffled, Jackie. So okay. I'm a speaker. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm not a speaker. Um, yeah, so um, people were afraid to come to me because I work near the hospital. Yeah, okay. And um, I had to go into the social welfare yesterday and it was absolutely, the day before yesterday, and it was absolutely jointed with people. Right. And when I was listening to people... It is the same story, small businesses folding, indigenous small business folding. We are the people who kept um, who kept the place running during the recession, and this is the way we're treated. I thought they said we were going to be taken care of. Well, there was, no, there was a pack, wasn't there? There was an incentive pack. Um, the, the government said that they were going to put together a, a liquidity mm-hmm. pack to help small businesses uh, get through this. Mm-hmm. And they, they said they, they have no clue about it in there, and... It was just, we should be able to do it online when it's small businesses, and maybe when this is over, that we have to go in and give in the details then. But this is, I had to go in there twice the day before yesterday. I have to go back in there again today. They need so many accounts, and they need a blood sample. I'm just so cross. I know. I mean, what they should have do with, with small businesses, you know, where, where it's clear that you're, you're losing money because of the current uh, climate, um, you should be able to claim a welfare payment while still trying to operate your business on a shoestring, mm-hmm. so to speak. Um, mm-hmm. and, and they should be able to give you a welfare payment. I know they give it to people, say, for example, who've been on the dole a while and you want to set up your business, they'll pay you the dole for 12 yeah. months while yeah. you're setting up your yeah. business. I don't know why they can't do that for small businesses who mm-hmm. find themselves in trouble at the moment. Well, exactly, and but not even only that. Like, but they should, they should, they should be able to do it online. They're putting themselves in danger as well in there. Like, they, they, these people who are working in there, just, just like ordinary Joe Scopes, like the rest of us. Right. They're putting themselves in danger. There was no system there at all. It was just unbelievable. I could not believe it. And I'm so, just how, so are you, mad. how are you, how are you gonna, how are you gonna? Well, when I say how are you gonna survive? My full. <laughs> Sorry. My freezer is full. Your freezer is full. But I mean, <laughs> and how are, how are you feeling about losing your business? Is, is there a possibility when this, I suppose, abates that you might be able to start your business back up again? It'll be back up straight away. Not, right. Yeah, back up straight away. And you have to tell them lies and tell them it's not there anymore and it never will be because otherwise they're not going to give you any money because then you're not on jump seekers. Right. It's just like you have to sit there and tell them lies and they know you're telling them lies but it's just to pacify the, the, the documentation and it's, and it's, humili- yeah. it's humiliating as well as anything else. I mean, you don't want to be doing it. You know, you'd rather be just running no. your own business and paying your taxes. Exactly. Well, I was doing it when, when the recession hit. I started my own business. And, and this is the way we're treated now. I'm just so mad. I'm so angry. I've no money. That's it. I've 20 euros. That's it. 20 euros. Right. And I, that, that, that must be dreadful for you. 
And I'm going to absolutely understand. I mean, I know, I know I've been, I was involved in business many years ago and I know how difficult the ups and downs of business can be. And literally at the time, I remember paying staff and not having any mm-hmm. money for myself. So I know people can be in that situation. Yeah, well, I don't have staff, but I could live only 20 euros. <laughs> yeah, I know. But you were a sole trader, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And you have no money now. You have 20, 20 quid in your, pa- in your pocket. <laughs> Jeez, yeah, I feel, I feel like selling you down a few quid. I'm not, I feel bad for you now, Jackie. But but your main gripe is that the government are kind of pretending to be looking after everybody. Yeah. And, you know, and, and look, you are the backbone of the country. 85% yeah. of business in this country are small business, right? So you mm. are the backbone of the country. You're the one they're going to be looking at <clears throat> to help them get out of this mm. situation when all this is over. Did you just cough there? I did, yeah. So that's a smoker's cough. That's a different situation altogether. <clears throat> I think I'm oh, hanging your right. I need to spray mm. myself. Hang on. <laughs> It's well, like spraying yeah. aftershave at this stage. <laughs> well, I'm deciding a bottle of milk or a bottle of wine for the 20 euro. Uh, look, you know, put your feet up, get a bottle of wine and watch the Late Late Show tonight with no audience, all right? <laughs> okay, God bless. Listen, Jackie, I bit the best of luck and I wish you well, all right? I hope things turn around for you. All right, let me go to Robbie as well. Robbie, you're on Classic Kids. How you doing, Robbie? Oh, sorry, Robbie. Oh, Jesus, I'll be killed. Robbie, are you there? Like? Yes, I know, yeah. Like? I'm sorry, that's my fault completely. Go ahead, Robbie. Yeah, it's great having me on after Horgus. I was going to give out because of us men that you aren't thinking about. Ah, but just give out about the men anyway. Angela's, no, no, Angela's got it. Right? Yeah. I'm giving out about that you aren't concerned about us men a bit more. Why, okay, I should be concerned about men. Why? Because the football's after getting called off. Oh, right. Well, they're bored now with their men, are they? Well, here's the thing. Is, I'm a wife <laughs> of three daughters. What in the name of Jesus am I supposed to do? I don't know what to be saying. You could, watch, you could sit and watch Say Yes to the Dress with them. I could, but I won't. Yeah, or right. Cory, yeah, a bit of Cory, a bit of Fair City. Well, no, look, hang on. You think if you say yes to the dress in Coronation Street and all this stuff was cancelled, how they'd feel? They don't understand the emotional homeworld that we're going through because the Premier League is being called off. Well, see, that was, see, that was, see Robbie, you're not talking to the, the right person here. Oh, I know that. You're the girl. You don't like football. I've no interest in sport, period. See, and I mean, look, your father's turning in his grave. I know look, he is. Look, Sorry, Frank. And, like, what are we supposed to do? Like, the GAA is called off. All we have is some fear of Bosch kids watching a load of horses running around the field. But there's, well, the, the rugby is still going on in Cardiff and, and in the UK over the weekend, isn't it? Yeah, but that's, that's one day. We'll still have another... Cheltenham is still on the telly? Nothing should be. That nonsense. I was like, I mean, I've got another 20 days that I have to think of something to do with wife and three daughters. I mean, the, like, the nation must feel my pain. I mean, what <laughs> I mean, like, this coronavirus is not just, it's not just a health, it's kind of, like, it's driving me bonkers. Like, yeah, I but mean, but, but uh, the corona has kind of hit the football as well. I mean, wasn't the, yeah. the manager of Arsenal, isn't he? He's yeah, the manager of Arsenal and one of the Chelsea uh, youngless and seemingly three fellas from Manchester, or sorry, Leicester City, had been done as well, but they're all like those poor rich fellas who play yeah. football, who I really feel sorry for, are all going into. Um, and would you would you normally pop out to a League of Ireland game at the weekend or something? Yeah, I, I have done that. Well, I'll be honest, I haven't been now in probably the last four or five years. I'd be like your father, a good pass man, but I haven't been to now over the last four or five years to be honest. But I used to be, I used to be a good ten games a season person, you know. Actually, my father would be out every. He'd be out in that stadium on a daily basis. Yeah. Up yeah. What's the, what, I can't even remember the name of the place up at Inchicore. What's it called again? Richmond Park. Richmond Park. There you go. Yeah, and uh, so what the problem is now that you're going to have men who are going to be up the rent and breadth of the country who are going to be very, very depressed now because they don't know what to do with themselves. 
Yeah, well, they'll have to get a hobby. And man, what about the men's sheds? Although I know the government have told... They're they actually, good, actually. Yeah, well, they've actually said that men's sheds need to be conscious of many men they have, you know, in their sheds. Yeah. <laughs> and they're all kind of too close to each other. But to be honest with you, I don't think lads in the shed having a few jars are really going to care about how close they are to each other. They're all ancient as well. My dad used to go on. That was the one before he passed away last year. And, uh, what do they do in the men's sheds? Just chat, is it? Just chat. And, like, um, I think the whole thing about it is to get them out of the house and get them chatting and doing a few things. You know what I mean? So because it's like the women's book club, is it? It could be, yeah. It's just that some... Um, I know that my dad was telling me that a couple of the men hadn't been outside the house because they would have been widowers and that. And yeah. uh, they would have been inside the house and the families wouldn't be down with them as much as they had been in the past. And it was just that one or two days a week where they were able to get out and just, you know, just interact with adults you know what I mean yeah I suppose yeah because they, they might be there with a wife and two daughters or whatever and, and I'm, I'm not having a go and saying there's anything wrong with having a wife and two daughters as you well know but I'm just saying that you know you might want to get a bit of male interaction oh you do look you mean you need to you have to get out and do that sort of thing you know and that's where it's going to be struggling for me the next three weeks that I'm just going to be surrounded by women yeah we're help. talking about women things well, I mean, you could start rec- sitting down and recommending certain gel nails that they should use, or, you know, why don't you go no get your hair done? Or... <laughs> do a little bit of penny shopping with them? Oh, I don't I'll know. I'll do that anyway. I've no choice. <laughs> do, you, do you walk behind them in pennies? No, I walk in front of them so it speeds them up. All right, okay. And do you do the figure of eight around the around the aisles? You know, they... Oh, no, I, I, I say, I won't say it on air, but I tell them before we go in, you've got this certain amount of time. Right. Fill in the blanks. Yeah. And uh, I'm not... Do you know what you want? Yes. We'll go exactly where you want to go and get what you want and what you need. And then we're going straight back out again. That's a stupid instruction to give to a woman. They'll never obey. They won't obey that. I feel better about myself telling them that. (laughs) Robbie, lovely talking to you, all right? I hope you find something out. Because otherwise the devil will find work for little idle hands. Yeah. You know what I mean? Think of us football fans over the next few weeks. I heard Pornhub are giving away free membership for those who find themselves not too busy over the next few weeks. That's true, by the way. It's a great marketing plan. Listen, thanks very much indeed, Robbie. I appreciate you coming on the air. Um, all right, let's have a listen Afternoon, to uh, I'm working on a construction site here in uh, Dublin 4. Um, one of the guys was sent home this morning uh, with symptoms of the coronavirus. Uh, he was t- um, advised on the phone, self-isolate yourself away from everybody, leave the site immediately, head home. There's a biometric scanner on the site that everybody has to put their finger on. He's been using it. He's been using the same toilets, the same canteen facilities as everybody else. Uh, yet the site is still open. And all the lads are still on site and they're telling us uh, we won't know anything until tomorrow because it takes 12 hours for the testing process. So, in the meantime, we're still using the biometric scanners. I haven't seen one bottle of hand sanitizer or whatever on the site here. Now, it's a construction site, a mucky. There's stuff to be picked up, but the health and safety concerns around construction dictate it's unsafe for the workers to pick it up and bring it home and spread it to their families, yet they're still allowing us to work. Uh, and telling us, oh, well, if you think you need to go home yourself, go home yourself. But they, they, they're not taking any action and closing the site like they should. Uh, just like you to put it out there and see what people think. Thanks, Noel. Now, the GAA, of course, have called a complete halt uh, to action amid the uncertainty of the coronavirus. And on the phone to talk to me is Alan Milton, who's Head of Communications for the GAA. Good afternoon to you, Alan. How you doing, Noel? All games, every single games, every single level, all cancelled. That was a kind of 
bit of a tough decision to make, wasn't it? Well, it was the only decision that could be made in light of what was happening. Uh, it's slightly eerie here today in Croke Park. We should have been gearing up for uh, games on Sunday, two games on Sunday and two next Tuesday as well. Mm. But, you know, you've got to be realistic about these things. And I think when the government clarified matters yesterday through the Taoiseach in Washington, there was only one decision that could be made. Uh, we tried to do it as quickly as we could to bring clarity to the situation for our members and players at every level. And I have to say it's been well received. I think we've got good buy-in from the wider membership that in a time of, of, of a national crisis or in terms of the importance of public health, this was the only decision that could be made. I, th- I think you're right. I think from your point of view, certainly it would be the only decision that can be made. It is going to have a massive knock-on effect, I suppose, because, of course, we don't know how long this is going to be. Is it going to be till March 27th or 30th or is it going to go on any further and be extended? And, of course, that announcement could be extended by the Taoiseach, depending, I suppose, on the many instances of this particular virus we have and how we seem to be tackling it. And if that happens, I mean, we could be looking at a knock-on effect maybe to extending when the All-Ireland happens. Well, if you forgive the sporting analogy, it's a very different ball game. And yeah. I, I used the metaphor this morning that it, how long is a piece of string? If two weeks is, becomes two weeks or is only two weeks, we'd be very confident we could get back on track very quickly. But we've absolutely no way of knowing. We're at the, the beck and call of the HSE uh, experts in this regard, the, the medics. We certainly don't fall into that category. But uh, what will happen in the meantime is we'll engage in scenario planning whereby we'll try and estimate how long... Uh, given knock-ons would have on our overall GA master fixture plan and that's a very very difficult thing to undertake because we simply don't know even halfway through you know we still have no indication so I'd imagine it will be a few days before March 29th before the picture becomes clearer um, but I would yeah. again say no, like, you know we promote games and culture this is this is far more important than that we've got to bring perspective to this country lost a citizen the other day through the illness and unfortunately it seems like there will be more and if we can do anything to bring peace of mind to people or to or to avoid social gatherings which may hasten the spread of this this uh, this bug well I think we're duty bound to do so and that's precisely why we acted the way we did yesterday are you, are you surprised when we look across the water only a couple of hundred miles across the water when we see the big gatherings like I suppose GAA matches or not GAA matches rugby matches and soccer matches are still going ahead does that surprise you? It seems to be a nation by nation thing mm. I, I watched the Liverpool match the other night against Atletico Madrid and there were I think 3,000 people from Madrid which is a hot spot yeah. at Anfield um, obviously you've got Cheltenham you've got a lot of people coming home from Cheltenham so yeah I have to say personally speaking I, I was somewhat surprised but I think the Premier League have moved today the Champions League have moved yeah, this is bigger than sport and I think the sooner Absolutely. the better the yeah. sporting community realised that and I think there were a lot of voices in, within the sporting community calling for action it's come and I think everyone needs to press pause after two weeks time we reevaluate where we're at Absolutely because I mean look we, the, the problems that are created by this we can fix those problems you know they're not going to cost lives so we can yeah. fix those problems it may be discommode people we understand that and certainly people who had planned to come up to Dublin for the weekend for the matches etc etc or those who are involved in, the, in playing themselves I know they've built themselves up and they look forward to these matches but we can get through that we can get over that but we can't get over of course the spread of a disease or if we encourage the spread of that No and I think I think we have a responsibility to the older members or the the, uh, the more vulnerable members of our society that we put some of our leisure and pleasure activities to, to one side for a moment and think about what, what's at stake here um, you mentioned the players there it was really important as well people asked us did you consider going behind closed doors and realistically we didn't because we felt that a clearly defined blanket approach was far more easier to manage there's no dilution of the message and nobody could be confused of what's entailed here so mm. um, it's going to be very odd let's not like we rec- estimated we 21 games at inter-county level this weekend and 15 of them were of real importance in terms of league, league standings 
uh, how many games around the country countless but um, we still encourage people to use their club facilities subject to ensuring there's not more than 100 people gathering whether that be for walking or for social settings um, and you know GA clubs may have an important role to play in the community I have already heard some good stories about GA clubs setting up plans to help all their members of society there's a chance that some of our facilities might be used for, um, for in, in the containment or the, the planning Absolutely. to help the HSC yeah, that sort of stuff yeah. you know this yeah. is, I, I really hope Irish society comes together and if the GA has a role to play in that we'd be more than happy to play it all right, well, listen, thank you very much indeed, Alan Milton, the head of communications at the GAA. Now, as you all know, of course, well, you've all been landed with it, I suppose, in some sense. Um, a lot of people are now working from home. The children are off school for two weeks at the moment. We don't know if that's going to be extended. And a lot of people are saying, well, what do I do with the kids when they're home? I mean, we're kind of used to, I suppose, the ordeal of them being home during the summer and trying to entertain them, particularly in the better weather. But when the weather is not as clement, I suppose, and it's a little bit more unclean, clement, um, I suppose it's more difficult to entertain them when they're under your feet in the house. And to talk to me about that today is Laura Erskine, who is a parenting expert with Baby Doc Club and the theparentingexpert.com. Uh, uh, good afternoon to you, Laura. Good afternoon. It's nice been to quite talk a to morning. You. It has. Nice to talk to you again. Look, I think a lot of parents were kind of landed with this. I'm not going to say problem. We don't want to refer to our children as problems. But they were landed with this difficulty today. How do I entertain them? Do you know, the key to all of this is to set realistic expectations. That's of yourself as a parent. And then also with the children about what is possible and what's not possible over the next two weeks. So if you have um, a bunch of sticky notes or some um, coloured paper, actually get out the the markers and map out the next week and then do the same thing again um, the following week. Because if you map out every day, everybody knows where they stand from a day-to-day basis. And um, any pockets of boredom will be actual scheduled boredom. (laughs) Where we've agreed on the boredom. (laughs) Because the problem is, Laura, the things that we would have normally done, like bring them bowling, bring them to the cinema, you know, or bring them to the zoo, or places where we'd normally congregate with large groups of people, a lot of those places, I must say, not the zoo is not closed, but I must say, but a lot of those places that we normally would have brought them are probably closed are out of bounds under the current guidelines. Well, that's exactly it. And that's why it requires a little bit of creati- creative thinking um, on behalf of both your children and yourselves to try and figure out what you're going to do to fill the day. Um, today, I suppose, being Friday is probably a no-homework day for any of the children who are in primary and secondary school, but they will be having work to do from Wednesday onwards. So you can schedule in an hour of, of schoolwork that needs to be done, and a lot of the schools have, will be sending work um, via email or through the school app Mm-hmm. two parents to complete with their children so there'll be an element of that it's, a, it's also about then you know figuring out how much time you want to allow your children to have on screens um, and then um, that's a big problem some, isn't it some fresh air exactly it's we easy just to leave them sitting there with an iPad in their hand is that, I mean, that's the easy way out isn't it it is but not for long because ultimately they will get fed up of that and they'll be even more irritable in the long run so once children know when they're allowed to have their screen time and how long they're allowed to have it for. I mean, set, set a buzzer on your phone or on the, the, the oven uh, timer clock um, so the children won't be actually pestering you for screen time then outside of the scheduled times. And then figure out some time 
to get fresh air, whether you're going out on a walk, a bike ride, um, or whether you might have children at home from crash as well, uh, or Montessori, and they're going to need to be entertained. And they're going, everyone's going to need to get out because ultimately a bit of exercise will help everyone uh, release a few endorphins and feel good about the day. But, by the way, just to clarify, the zoo have just confirmed us they are actually closed for two weeks. So just to clarify, they are closed for two weeks. So it is kind of going back, Laura, to old school stuff, you know, getting out there with a football on the green or doing things that we would have done 20, 30 years ago where because all these modern amenities that contain a lot of people are either closed or not available to us. So it is a case of thinking old school, isn't it? It is, absolutely. And one of those things is, is, is about getting into the kitchen. I, I love cooking and baking with my children and you can do that from toddler age upwards. You know, you just set them different levels of tasks do and then everybody gets to enjoy uh, and reap the rewards afterwards you might decide to cook something every single day for the next two weeks um, it could be could be a life skill for your older children um, and whether mm-hmm. it mix it up between sweet and savoury and let them choose their own recipe. There's also a, an opportunity to do a little bit of spring cleaning um, and get the children to involve To do a few tasks, <laughs> yeah if you can possibly get them to do that because I mean, I mean they, look we could use this as a very positive experience because there, there's very there's very few occasions where you're getting an opportunity to work from home. Some people are. Not everybody can get that opportunity, unfortunately. But some people are getting the opportunity, mums and dads, to work from home. And we've also got the kids at home at the same time. And I think there's been very few occasions where that's happened. So maybe we should make this into a positive thing, you know, and treat it as, as such rather than treating it as an inconvenience. Yes, and I think once we're organised about that and we know from hour to hour what's the plan, everybody will get on board with it. Um, I mean, there's lots of creative creative ideas around painting and crafting, and YouTube is a great source of, of ideas for that. And indeed, Instagram, there's, there's one mum called Create, Make and Play, and she's got tons of messy play ideas on her Instagram feed to inspire parents. I mean, all the pasta that people have went out and hoarded up in grocery mm. supermarkets yesterday, get the poster paints out and paint the pasta. Paint you know, the pasta. Yeah. You can. You can make necklaces and bracelets. Oh, but then when they start art. wanting to make slime, that's where the problem comes. When they start, <laughs> or is that fad gone now? Is the slime fad, fad it, over? It is a little bit and probably not suitable for, for the really young members of the household. Oh, my daughter went through it now. Mm-hmm. And mind you, she wasn't a young child. She was 16 or 15 <laughs> or 16 at the time. And it was this buying, you know, bottles of glue and bottles of, I don't know what else. Oh, yeah, a shaving foam. I don't know where that came into it. And just mixing it all together in a bowl and it was everywhere. And oh, stop. But mind it, you, it was it fun. Will take you. It's fun and it's a lovely, it's a sensory experience. It's quite a mindful thing to do because it is completely sensory. It's dipping their hands in it, it's getting creative um, and it will take about an hour, an hour and a half of the day to do something like that. Okay, there is a little bit of cleanup afterwards, but the children should be getting involved in that. I mean, there's old school things like, um, you know, playing board games, doing challenges in that way with with your children Mm -hmm. and setting up a, a, a marathon of board games and then maybe even teaching them some of the old games that you used to play as a child, like uh, cards and ladders, go fish, snakes and ladders. Um, Chess is currently going on at the kitchen table here between my 10 and 8-year-old while my 1-year-old What was your favourite game, by the way, Laura? What was your favourite game when you were a child? I loved skipping, actually. Skipping was my big one. And um, skipping at, at where you're, you've got a number of, of, of games and you're doing it to, to, to songs. Um, and, and actually, the music is a great way. If, if we are confined to the house and we can't get out to the park on a rainy day, it, 
you know, any task to music is you so much more fun. You don't see kids playing those. I used to love all those. Like, little girls stereotypically did the skipping and not little boys, right? But uh, that was in our day, of course. It doesn't matter nowadays. I mean, everybody can do what they want to do. But the other thing we used to do is I used to love doing with the girls on the road was this thing where you got the, the tin of shoe polish and you drew the squares on the road. You know that? Do you remember yes. that? Yes, yeah. absolutely. And there's kind of hopscotch and all sorts yeah. of obstacle courses. We've already had a fort built in my living room with every cushion in the house being brought into the living room, <laughs> right, including okay. duvets and pillowcases. So right. there is going to be a lot of creative thinking. And I think we need to embrace the next two weeks and allow our children to, to actually use their imagination. Um, Lucy came in to me this morning and she said, Mum, one day next week can we have an alphabet day where we have to run through the day in the order of the alphabet. So A is, is awake and B is breakfast and C is cooking and, you know, D is, is doing something else. Mm-hmm. So, it's you know, there, there are lots of fun ways that we can put a little bit of order on the day, I think, and that is the key so that everybody knows where they stand and we're not letting the day sort of while away um, and have Yeah, because you don't, you don't want to get to the end of this and we will get to the end of this eventually and look back and say, gosh, I had a great opportunity with some quality time there and I wasted it. So you, you do want to make sure you make the best of it, I suppose. Yes, absolutely. And there's, there's a great way of, I've been threatening to, to get some photos and to print them out off my phone. My children are now choosing the ones. They're going to create albums. Um, my son wants to enter a short story competition, which he, he said he didn't have time for, but now he does. You know, there, there are lots of, of ways to really get creative um, and, and actually encourage that aspect within your children. The younger ones are a little bit more difficult, the toddlers and the Montessori kids. That's going to require a bit of imagination around the messy play, around getting out the lentils and scooping, even getting into the bath with the children, allowing them to mm-hmm. ha- bath all of their Lego toys or their cars. Oh, uh, yeah. I did that. I remember doing that as a child. Yeah. Into the bath. yeah, I had all my action men in the, in the bath. <laughs> That's a whole other hour um, of amusement. Yeah, and the whole idea was you were told at the time you stayed in the bath until your skin got old. Do you remember remember that? (laughs) Once your skin started to wrinkle, it was time to get out. Laura, it's been lovely talking to you again. Laura Erskine is a parenting expert. And don't forget, uh, she's with Baby.Club and you can go to theparentingexpert.com for some novel ideas of how to entertain your children over the next few weeks. Now, from one extreme to the other, I suppose from one age bracket to the other, Alone have launched a national support line for elderly people with concerns, of course, about the coronavirus. And they are the ones who are most concerned, probably better. We spoke to Anne yesterday on the phone who was, um, when I say elderly, she wasn't that elderly. She was only in her late 60s. But she also had an underlying condition. She was very concerned and got very upset on the phone talking about it. Um, And the organisation that supports older people will also be providing additional support to those facing difficulties around the outbreak. And on the phone is Grania Lochran, who is the communications officer with Alone. Uh, Good afternoon to you, Grania. Good afternoon. Thanks so much for having us on. Well, look, they are. I, I don't. We don't want to forget about elderly people because they are the most vulnerable at this time. Children, you know. I mean, obviously, we need to keep them occupied, but they aren't really that vulnerable when it comes to a virus because they've got great little immune systems. But unfortunately, from what we've seen around the world, elderly people are those who are in the most vulnerable situation. And I suppose it's looking after them and to make sure that they have everything they need is the important thing, isn't it? Well, that's exactly it. At the moment, I suppose we're seeing. 
um, where it was a fantastic groundswell support uh, from different organisations, from members of the public, from volunteers, and really everybody has a responsibility now to people who are vulnerable in their communities. Every decision you make, whether it's big or small, matters, and it can have an impact on the people around you. So it's really important that um, not only older people are taking the necessary precautions, but that people of all ages are ensuring that they're uh, they're doing the right thing and making those decisions that will uh, avoid spreading uh, coronavirus at the moment and what do you, to protect the elderly. What do you say to somebody, you know, who may be a widow or widower in their 70s at home? Maybe they have, a, I don't know, some relations, but they don't drop by too often. And, and they're terrified to leave the house because everything they're hearing on the news is, you know, if you're elderly, you're very vulnerable, stay away from people, et cetera, et cetera. So they're kind of almost terrified, you know, because they don't want their number to be up too soon. Uh, and they're terrified to leave the house. What do you say to those people? A huge amount of what we're doing at the moment um, on, on our phone lines is reassurance. And it's uh, and it's a lot about keeping people calm and ensuring that they have the support that they need in place. So um, we have been hearing, um, I suppose a lot of people are listening to the news and things like that all day long. One piece of advice we're giving is to maybe limit that to once or twice a day, uh, just to avoid that, that sense of panic that some people are feeling at the moment. Um, one piece of advice we're giving, um, because we've had, uh, there, there has been further advice from the Department of Health and the HSE, um, to uh, to reduce as much as possible your contacts outside the home. One piece of advice is to maybe decide on a few key contacts that can visit you or drop off groceries or other things you need and to keep in regular contact with your family and friends by phone. And, and I suppose don't be afraid to ask people to help you because that's, that's the main thing because where they more, normally might nip down to the supermarket themselves, you know, once a day, you know, um, because even that might be a little bit difficult for them in their elder years. I suppose it's being able to stay there, give somebody a call and say, listen, you couldn't drop in and get me some milk and bread while you're down at the supermarket today. So not to be afraid to reach out to people, I suppose. Exactly. It's not it's not a time to be shy either. Um, and if there is, I suppose, if you're worried about calling up your neighbours or uh, or people that you know, um, our phone lines are open. Uh, we are starting to mobilise and activate our volunteers at the moment um, who will be able to drop out things like groceries, prescriptions, uh, fuel, any of, those, any of those bits and pieces that you might need. So you can give us a call also if you do need support. Yeah, and I will give out that helpline in a few minutes as well. I mean, what, what do you find, I mean, from the call, that you're getting, I suppose, from the elderly people or those people in vulnerable situations, what are their main concerns? Is, is that their main concern, provisions? So it has changed over the last few days. At first, a lot of the calls were about uh, advice around things like, should I be going to mass? Should I be um, should I be getting out and about? And the nature of those calls has changed a little bit uh, from that to uh, how, how can I get support? Um, yeah. And that, and and we expect that to to uh, to develop over the coming days and weeks as well. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, just for people who want any information, or if you want any help, or you happen to be elderly and you don't have anyone else to call, um, you can call the helpline, and it's open from eight o'clock in the morning to eight o'clock in the evening, and it's zero eight one eight. 222, that's the treble two, that's at 0818 uh, And if anybody wants to help, we will give out that number again. And of course, if they ring that number, uh, Grania, what kind of help is available to them, just out of curiosity, apart from just information, which would be a good thing if they just want information on what they should and shouldn't do, what other help is available for somebody who might be sort of 70 or 80 years of age? 
So uh, our staff that are on the helplines at the moment are really giving uh, a quite a bit of reassurance, quite a bit of advice, um, and really, I suppose we're um, we're both sharing the the information from the Department of Health and the HSE, but also uh, we can give reassurance and the ability to link in support from other organisations as well. Okay. So really. Any of those concerns that you might have about getting support provisions, uh, even if you have a query about particular difficulty you're finding at the minute, don't hesitate to give us a call. And um, if we if we don't have the answer at a particular point, we will ring you back and we will find the information and get. Or back you will to be you. the go-between, so to speak. If they exactly. need to get support from somebody else, you'll help them to contact that somebody else and be the support, the, the kind of go-between, I suppose, in some sense. That's exactly it. Yeah. All right. Well, listen. Thank you very much indeed. So you did some wonderful work. Listen, Grania Lockwood is communications officer with alone for all those elderly people particularly at a time like this when I, I suppose you know the elderly are most risk I said when it comes to this particular virus so the number again by the way I'll give it to you again it's 0818 024 so that's 0818 and let me go to Peter Peter you're on Classic Kids how you doing Peter Neil how are you your friend works in a butcher's and said he said oh, it's yeah. mad Oh, yeah, well, remember I was talking to you there yesterday, sure, one woman within, she bought 300 euros worth of meat. 300, as if the cows are going to all die or something oh, like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure, I mean, I was, I was talking to my sisters and back on the way home yesterday, and they said it, it, it was mental. I mean, uh, people need to calm down. I mean, I, it might have stemmed the flow now or maybe over the weekend, but, I mean, people were robbing uh, or taking milk where people were putting the milk into the trolley and were taking the milk out of people's trolleys. <laughs> so they were, taking the mil- <laughs> they were actually taking the milk out of each other. Oh my God! You do. And people taking the bread, snatching them back out with people's hands, and 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 rows and, and and arguments and everything. I mean, I went into a shop yesterday and I picked up four milk and one bread. I mean, doing the milk runny for me. One was for a person on the way home, and the other two milk, and the other milk was for my um, mother and father. Yeah. And I said, uh, you, you, "You're milk buying there." I said, "Are you panic buying?" I said. Oh, I said, two of the milk are for me, a month for an elderly person who will be calling in the way home, dropping the milk off, and the other milk is for my mother and father who are sick. I said, so, I said, I wouldn't mind, I said, there's loads of milk over there. I said, there's very little bread. And then I had to throw out, I said, are you from around here? It's for locals only then, oh, is yeah, it? Well, I, just, I just said to her, I said, are you from down? Because I knew very well she wasn't from, uh, and uh, she was yeah. down from the, the other town down the road where Super Valley was, where you couldn't get parking in the place. They were parked up in the curbs and everything. You couldn't get into the place down there. And I said, so you don't even do your shopping up here normally. Right. Do you? Right. <laughs> I just said, Calm down. She was a blow-in. She was a uh, blow-in, Peter. Well, I don't mind anybody coming up or whatever, but I just <laughs> said to myself, I'm in here in this shop nearly every evening or every second evening on the way coming home. I stop at this shop. Yeah. Like, you know, so I'm you don't be telling me when I can and can't buy. Oh, but I when said, I was yesterday, when I was in JC's yesterday, the milk was empty on the, on the you know, the kind of steel trolley things, yeah. right? But your man had brought over two new steel trolleys full of milk, low fat and uh, regular, and he was trying to unpack them out of the wrappers to put them onto the shelves. But should they were taking them off quicker than he could unpack them. They were, and they were swarming around the poor chap. But sure, it was crazy. I mean, if they had taken the advice or just listened to the news bulletins or, or, and the news that was coming on and yourselves and other people talking on the radio and all stays saying, there is no need to panic by. What mean, are they going to do with all this milk and pasta and bread? Are they going to eat it all? But you was talking to one person. I mean, the people were on about tile roll. She, I was talking to one person, uh, my sister. She said she's seen someone coming out. That, you know, the 24 pack of rolls. Yeah. She ate them in the, in the one. Tra- I said, Eight of them. 
<laughs> but you know what that's for that's in case they eat all the food that they're hoarding <laughs> oh well I just said that is crazy and then she said another person I worked it out if you have 60 packets of soup in a tray and there's four in each packet she said that one person picked up a whole tray and put me in I said that's 240 packets of soup <laughs> when, are they, when are they going to drink all of that <laughs> It's now what do they need the toilet rolls? <laughs> oh well, I, you know, as you said yourself, uh, Niall yesterday. I mean, this social media thing about people holding your breath and if you drink water, you and you're there. I mean, it just goes to show you. I mean, people, as we said before, you've often had. Have you ever gone to, to work without your phone, or could you do it? Or, or yeah. phone syndrome in your in your hand? There's a thing called nowadays. You can't do it, and you're there. I mean, people rely too much. I mean, they need to get a grip. No, they do, they do need to get a grip. Peter, thanks for that. Let me go to Paul as well. Paul, you're on Classic Kids. How are you doing, Paul? Niall, how are you doing? You're, you're right? a retired member of the Defence Forces. I am indeed, Niall, yes. Have you, um, now, there's rumours going around that retired members and people who have left the Defence Forces are, being, get, are getting phone calls and letters to come back in. Is that true? Uh, I'm not aware of that. I'm not no, aware I'm not aware of it either. either. I think that's another of these vicious rumours going around, but go on. I'm not aware of it. No, but what, what I wanted to say was I was talking to some people, retired members, over the last couple of days with various skills like drivers, medics, electricians, plumbers, captains, etc. And uh, they would be more than willing to make themselves available if required. Right, OK. So you'd be willing to do a bit of, a bit of work no, if you were coming. I, I haven't got any skill like that myself. But, yeah. Uh, some of my colleagues have. Yeah. And they'd be more than willing to put their shoulders to the wheel if... if yeah, I, but I know, I know the guards have just um, signed in. Now, guards who are not fully trained, but they're in Templemore to That's try right. and help out, obviously because the guards have put special units now on the supermarkets, which is ridiculous that they have to even do that. Unbelievable. Yeah, Unbelievable. yeah. And, and I know the army obviously are preparing themselves at the moment, as they always do, you know, when you have the floods. Or and, the... On Island, in all honesty, I honestly don't know what the army can do because... Well, I suppose they're just there for support, aren't they? Well, ever since the peace agreement was signed in Northern Ireland, the army has been ran into the ground. Yeah. You know, they've been just neglected completely. Well, I know, and they don't get paid enough to do what they're doing either. That's that's. But but look, we've always relied on the army when it was the bin strike, um, whether it was the the floods, um, whatever happens, or even during the, uh, if I go back to the foot and mouth, the army were out for that as well, putting the mats down everywhere. So we've always kind of relied on the army for a bit of support, and I think they're being called into that again. As Ivan, Ivan Yates made a sly remark on his Tonight Show there some months ago when they were discussing um, public service pay and somebody said, well, the Army is looking for an increase as well. And he said, oh, actually, all we need the Army is for them is bad weather. <laughs> right. Which I thought was a disgusting remark. Especially yeah. from, from a guy that got all his debts written off and he was over yeah. the world. Well, listen, I do. Answer, I I have apologised in the in the past of what I had said about the well, army going yeah, back. Yeah, you, you. You, you were manly enough to do that. Sure. Yeah, because because and, 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 and I've always and, said if we're going to have an army, it, look, we can have the debate as to whether we need one or not a defence force, right? But if we're going to have them, we should pay them money and pay them properly to do it. Well, I thought it was a bit rich from a former uh, government minister, you know. Yeah, well, yes, absolutely, absolutely. Well, no, but the point you're making anyway is there's a lot of lads out there who are well-trained, uh, who are retired yeah. members of the forces, and a lot of them are willing to do a little bit, you know, give in a little bit of their time to help if exactly, they possibly yeah. can, yeah. Okay. By the way, uh, now, can I, uh, talking to you, you were talking about panic buying there. I was down in my local Lidl today, and all I was looking for was a packet of prunes. And um, as it turned out, when I was going in the door, I met a guy coming out, with a trolley, and he was pushing her one hand and trying to hold the stuff on it with, with the other hand. He had, he stacked had tiles, high, tiles, stacked tiles, high. Bread, hidden food, you name it, he had it. Right. 
So and he was wearing an Irish an Irish um football tracksuit. Right. So anyway I went in anyway to get my phones, they didn't have them, so I said Aldi is just five minutes down the road, so I go down there. And I went down to Aldi and there is the same guy inside loading up again on this down in Aldi. Right. Same guy. So he went from one place to the other, loading up again. Loading up again, so God knows where he was going after that. Oh, right. That's, it's incredible, yeah. isn't it? I don't know how people feel that they're going to have the time to eat all this food. This, this guy looked like a guy that didn't, he didn't need much food, you know? <laughs> kind of a guy, you know what I mean? I know exactly what you mean. Uh, he'd, be, he'd be too heavy, you know, for a child to turn. Yeah, absolutely. Listen, Paul, thank you very much indeed. All right. All right. Appreciate you, it. Okay, loads of those people texting in. Somebody says, Nal, uh, with all the beans they're buying, they're going to go through those toilet rolls before next week. I say they'll keep the plumbers jo- in their jobs forever. Yeah, the person wants to know, what's the sell-by date on a toilet roll, says Matt. Well, Matt, I assume you're being sarcastic or joking, Matt, because there isn't a sell-by date on a toilet roll. You can use it on your bum up to any time at all. Uh, keep texting, keep WhatsApping. The number is 087-188-0008. And the person said, just heard the army due to arrive to control traffic uh, going to Dunn's at Parkmore. Traffic is mental. Uh, well, maybe they are, because that's what the army do. They're out to support Longarda Shea and support the state uh, at a time of need or when we have an emergency situation. That's their job. That's what they've always done. We are at the very early stages, still, I suppose, in some sense, when it comes to this uh, virus. And I remember going back about two months ago, we were all watching the news and going, oh, look at the poor Chinese people and look what they're going through. And, Asha, ah, thank God it's not happening to us. And sure, we'd be grand. And I suppose they're kind of, at this stage now, they're two months ahead of us, two, two and a half to three months ahead of us now at this stage. Well, Mark Murray, who's living in the Jilin province in China, has been dealing with it, obviously, since then. Uh, Mark, good afternoon to you. Hey, Liam. How's it going now? Uh, Mark, first of all, what has you living in the Jilin province in China? Um, I actually, well, I came over here for uh, to do like one year's work experience. and That was nine years ago, so kind of took to me. Right, okay. And what, what, what was so attractive about living in China? Just, I'm just curious now. Because, well, I'll get to why we have you on the air in a second, but yeah. But what, what was so attractive about it? What did you find attractive about it? Well, be, before I lived over here, I traveled through China. And uh, e- even back then, when I didn't know the language or anything like that, it was just a spectacular place. Like, it, it, the, the diversity is unbelievable. You know, traveling through the country, you can you just meet all walks of life and mm-hmm. beautiful landscapes and everything. So it really took, took a shine to it. And what about, like, property and stuff like that? I mean, obviously, this is different. Culturally, they're very different people. Well, I mean, is it expensive to, to find yourself a nice place to live or a nice house or...? Well, I tell you now, um, I, I've been teaching English over here, and um, that's what I began doing, but it's opened up so many other doorways. I opened an Irish pub here in the city where I am as well. Okay. And, uh, but you, but you, the, you wouldn't be anything unless we had an Irish It wouldn't be any kind of place unless you had exactly. an Irish well, pub. Well, there, was, there, was no, there was no Irish pub when I arrived, and I said to myself, Jesus, I have to make a difference there. Yeah. Okay, but look, you've been dealing with this since, I suppose, December, when the yeah. first case was identified in China, uh, in the yeah. Wuhan region. Um but I mean, that, es- that has obviously escalated. Now, they seem to have a little bit of a handle on it at the moment. Uh, they've dealt with it in a very yeah. different way than the rest of Europe. But we've seen some of the videos online. Obviously, it's a different type of country yeah. culturally. Uh, what has it been yeah. like for that last two and a half months? So, uh, I give you the perspective of uh, where it is from where I am in Jilin. It's up in the northeast. So, Wuhan would be about... Uh, 2,000 kilometers away, if you can, if you can picture that. Yeah. So when, when it broke out in Wuhan, we were like, we were all watching it um, the same way it would be from home. Say, Jesus, terrible what's happening there. But then uh, when it got a bit serious, like come 
come the end of January, it was a total country lockdown. Mm-hmm. So we've been in lockdown now for about eight weeks. And um, at first, where you think that it's like it's so far away, it, it's amazing how fast it travels, you know, the virus. And when you say lockdown, what did lockdown mean for you as an individual living there? Did it, How did that change your life? Yeah. Well, so first of all, it's nothing to fear, I have to say. Like, this is nothing for people to be afraid of. It's the solution to the problem, really, is what I've been trying to get across to people back home. It's um, what it all it meant was that public gathering places closed down. So you're talking schools, restaurants, bars, cinemas, malls, this kind of thing, where, where there's no need for it. You know, I mean, I'm not saying there's no need for education, but of course, take the kids out first. But um, the thing yeah, that's to take them to school so for a little short period of time is not going to destroy their lives. Yeah, exactly, exactly, and um, it's uh, the. Sorry, I'm still losing my train of thought there. No, 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 just the, the, um, the point you're making that is it, it's not that intrusive in your life is what you're suggesting. Oh, absolutely not. Like, the, the supermarket stayed open. There was no panic buying. You, you know, it didn't, I mean, it's a different culture over yeah, here. Yeah, that seems to be a Western thing, isn't it? That's out in Australia, the panic yeah. buying. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Like, when the government uh, told us of the lockdown, the, the, you know, everybody just uh, agreed with it. There was nobody resisting it or anything. So mm-hmm. I think that's what kind of got us through it as quick as possible. And what about the well, videos that we've seen? The, you know, the videos that we've seen online, which almost seen yeah. mili- military, where in the sense that people were being know, yeah. abducted off streets and thrown into the back of vans and being brought to I hospitals know. against their will. Is that is, is that exaggerated? Yeah. Or are they exaggerated? Or are they just isolated well, instances? Or what, what do you think has happened? Well, that that would definitely be in the Wuhan region. Like, mm. you know, there's tens of thousands of people with it in the Wuhan region. They were in the Wuhan region. They were like uh, disinfecting the streets and, and stuff like this. The, the videos of people um, houses being broken into and dragged out. These are people who uh, would have had the virus and not registered, and they're passing it on to other people. They're just uh, like taking extreme measures to be contained. Now, where I am in my province. I've seen absolutely none of that, you know. Yeah. 93 cases was the highest in our province, and as of last night, we are, we are virus-free now, zero cases. Right, okay, so, so the point you're making is, is that eight weeks of isolation seems to have done the yeah. trick. Now, that, and also taking into consideration that, um, you know, we're connected on all sides, and we have a population of 23 million and we're all living on top of each other. It's not like Ireland where you have like green fields separating you or, or your own house and garden. It's mm. all apartment blocks over here. So w- when someone gets it, it, spra- it spreads rapid. So I really think Ireland has a choice, uh, a chance um, of, of uh, getting rid of it very quickly with the lockdown. You know, a two-week lockdown, if it was done right, could be enough. You know, Ireland is an island with a small population. And uh, two weeks of a lockdown could easily stop the spread and isolate those who do have the virus. And what, what, I mean, from from your experience now that you've been with this for two and a half months and you've been in lockdown Mm. for eight weeks, what are your, you had a few tips there you mentioned on Facebook about limiting social interactions. And because that's obviously that's the government are telling us it's our job as a community to stop this, not the government's job. I mean, we have a responsibility too. It really is. It really is. It's up to the people, you know. But, um, I really wish that the government in Ireland were doing a bit more, like saying, oh, we'll close the schools, but we'll keep the pubs open and the restaurants. You can't really half do this, you know. The virus, it makes no difference to the virus, you know what I mean? The virus won't say, oh, well... I'm not not going to go to school, but I go to a restaurant, yeah. I know, exactly. 
So what what tips would so, you have? Uh, I mean, for the average person, you know, yeah. we're being told not to socially interact. So, I mean, what tip, yeah. I mean, what did you learn from that? Now, like, I must have gone through eight weeks of it, you know. You'd be looking forward to seeing a, um, a different face than the people you're living with in your house. But uh, it's grand, you know. Like, what we did was um, staying busy, uh, you know, started a few projects at home. I started a YouTube channel. And mm-hmm. um, I have a newborn baby, so okay. I kept busy That'll for keep sure. Busy for a while, but, yeah. Uh, yeah. But like a lot of my friends, I know they're all chewing at the bit to go to get out and uh, to get out for a few drinks. So we started doing like online poker, and like from our homes, we were going down to the supermarket and buying a few cans and staying in, and then going online and playing together and stuff like that online, just okay. to pass the time, you know. Okay, so play, playing together. games online together—that's a good idea. Now, I mean, we're always giving out yeah. to people about going out and meeting people rather than playing online, but now we're asking people to do the opposite. Actually, don't do that I know, now. Yeah. I know. Which is which, I know. under the circumstances, I think it's the, probably the right advice. And do it's, you, it's like guilt-free laziness. It, it is guilt-free laziness, yeah. yeah. So going yeah. forward, I mean, it looks like China seemed to have a handle on it now at this stage. Now, don't get me wrong, it's still bad. Absolutely, yeah. But they seem to have... Just today, um, well, just today, Beijing announced that um, they're positive that China has reached the peak of the virus and it's just going to be lessening from now on. Like, there's be no more rises in the numbers. So that was good news to hear. If that was officially said from Beijing today. Mm-hmm. Okay, and, and the, the other thing is, you know, Mark, and you would know this better than I do, there's constantly rumours online, social media, in the news, in the media generally, that do we mm-hmm. believe everything we're, we're hearing from China? I mean, you can verify because you're there and you're hearing it on Chinese news, yeah. which wouldn't have the same uh, agenda. Uh, sure. Even even on the post that I posted on Facebook, that was just for family and friends, and, and it got spread around uh, pretty rapidly. But like people are saying, oh, I don't believe him, and he's full of lies. I've, I've nothing to be lying about, you know. This has been my experience. You've in, been there in the yeah. lockdown. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and we're out the other end of it now, uh, with, with uh, virus free, and restaurants have reopened, and bars have reopened. Schools are not back just yet. I guess they're taking a bit more. Um, uh, they're being a bit more cautious with the children, mm-hmm. but um, yeah. all, all the amenities have opened up again, and yeah, we're getting back to normal. All right. Well, look. Hopefully, we will see that as well. Maybe in you know in a few weeks, or maybe in, maybe at most yeah. in a couple of months' time. You know, and should, maybe we'll talk to you again, Mark. Yeah, it, it, it's nothing. It, it, it's a situation. I think that uh, we're all in together, uh, the whole world now. You know, essentially, but, what you're um, saying is calm I'm, down, calm down. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You know, like for me, we weren't panicking. We, we were inside and it's boring. That's all I can say. But other than that, there's, you know, well, it's fine. You get we'll, we'll get over the boredom. We'll get past the boredom. Exactly. Listen, Mark, lovely talking to you. Uh, Mark Murray, who's living in the Julian yeah, province in China. Thanks very much indeed. Uh, after break, by the way, I want to get your opinions. You can let us know what you think uh, of what's going on at the moment. Have you any opinions at all? Uh, are you going to miss the... Uh, well, that's another question. Actually, something he points out is, you know, Paddy's Day is going to be a big day for drinking in Ireland. Always has been, always will. He's right. We've gone to the trouble of closing the schools, the colleges, uh, the zoos, uh, the public places where people gather, over 100 people, all that kind of carry on. But the pubs are going to be open. It's the biggest day of the year for drinking. And I can tell you now, Irish people are not going to listen. Some will, but a lot won't. Temple Bar and all those places that we normally see people congregate en masse on Paddy's Day are probably still going to be busy and a breeding ground for a virus. And the only way to stop that is for the government to interject with the Vintners Association and say, close the pubs on Patrick's Day. 
Would that be a good idea? Let me know what you think. The number is 87 188 Carmel, you're on Classic Kids. How are you doing, Carmel? I'm not too bad, Night. How are you? Good, Carmel. Your brother's 75, but he's still yes. feeling quite positive about the whole thing, and, and so he should, by the way. Yes, he uh, is. Uh, he's a great inspiration for people who are scared out there at the moment. I think um, he had a, a bypass done 20 years ago. Right, and, okay. Like, he has a, he's on medication. But he's still very active. He's still very positive. He gets up every morning and he has his breakfast. He gets the bus down to the community centre where he will have his lunch. Yep. Um, he meets people that he's known all his life. Of his, of his own age group, yeah. All his, yeah. And then there's younger people that he might have seen for years, you know. And he's always, like there was a fam- family of ten of us, you know. So yeah. everyone knows kind of everyone. And you put the family is there, we all gather there, you know, and now they're trying to threaten to close the community centres where the people get their food. And that's going to be very difficult because they're already worried enough and rely, I suppose, on the community centres and rely on the interaction with other people, I suppose, to reassure them everything is okay. Yeah, and it's it's an outlet for him and he's he's just so positive, he just can't understand why... um, He said years ago we had... 20 years ago was it the foot and mouth he said that's past I know this is a different well, it is. that was more dangerous to animals more yeah. so than us yeah yeah. yeah. Well, he said, and by the way how many people how many people would be in the community centre um, it wouldn't be 40, 50, 60 at most we'll say when right. the and, and so why, what's the requirement to close it then if, it, if... It, I think it's the interaction with the tables maybe and that they're too close with the chairs right okay but they have taken precaution Taken I, un- I, un- I do understand precautions, but maybe I think we could go a little bit over the top because realistically, yeah. the, you know, that's not over 100 people, which is what no. they've been said. Uh, you know, and I suppose if they moved some of the furniture around and moved them they a little bit apart. That. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I can't see the um, issue with it. Yeah. And they had Virgin Media in there today, so they'll be, they'll be on, the on the TV telly. tonight. Yeah. And they asked Thomas to give a. So he did get up and he gave a, a little interview, you know, to say who he is, he said, yeah, he just said, look, I get up every morning, if my feet touch the ground, I'm alive, and I appreciate every day as it comes, you know, and he feels like if he can get out, and get out in the air, and meet people, that's a good day yeah. for him, yeah. you know. So he's so, kind of, he's yeah. treating every day like the last, yes. and that's, and that's yes. the way you should enjoy every day like it's the yeah, last. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so, I don't mean that in some sort of negative way. I know, but he's, he's second chance of life when you got the, the triple bypass, you yeah, know, and yeah. I think that's his attitude. All yeah. right, well, listen, it's lovely talking to Carmen and give, him, you give your brother our regards and he's doing, he seems to do some great positive work uh, with other people and reassuring other people of his age that everything will be okay. Colette, you're on Classic Kids. How are you doing, Colette? Hi, Niall. Good. Colette, <laughs> I, you went into a bit of a panic, did you? I, I went through a meltdown, to be quite honest with you, Niall, because I went down to Dunn's in Stephen's grade. Right. And the queues, I'm not joking you, Niall, nearly out the door. You think they were giving the no stuff away for nothing? Rolls. Yeah, no toilet rolls, no. They had got nine pallets yesterday, gone within ten minutes. Right, and what are you going to do without a toilet roll, Colette? You'd be I in an awful state. So, oh, no, I have. But I'm only you can always use a newspaper. <laughs> I started to panic. Right. And I rang my sister, Dan, who lives in Jobstown in Talla, and she told me out in Talla, loads of toilet rolls and done stores. Right. Why in Stephen's Green do we not get enough? That's because the posh people like to wipe their arse a little bit more. 
And my little bird Nathan, he doesn't mind anyway. Oh, oh, this is Nathan the canary. He wouldn't sing on demand the last. Oh, is he? Is he a budgie or a canary? He's a canary. He's a, a canary. white little fella. Is yeah. he still singing his brains out? Oh, he is. Uh, he doesn't mind. He doesn't. Uh, he won't mind about this meltdown. No, he will be able to look after. Nah, he's not going to get the virus. Or grand. But I, I mean, I don't understand, uh, Niall. The libraries are closed, right? Yeah. But yes, the, I was talking to a librarian, and she told me that they're working behind closed doors. Doesn't make sense, does it? Well, not if there's not that many people. Maybe they could just say they could limit the number of people. I, I, I understand why. I mean, if it was packed with fire, I mean, I've never seen a library with that many people in it. Yeah, well, you're right. And you're 100% right. And that was the point that Mark made. What's the point in telling us that we can't go to a library, can't go to a community centre, or can't go to a school when we're going to open the pubs and allow thousands of people drink their brains out? I passed down by Starbucks in Kevin Street there at about 12 o'clock, and it was packed. That seems, it all seems quite pointless, doesn't it? Yep, yep, yep. And there's a place I live down the road. I live in Clumbrazo Street. And there's a place called the Fumbly. Right. And there was a, quite a lot of people in there too. Colette, you want me to send you over a roll of toilet paper? <laughs> Are you all right, like? <laughs> I know, I have. No, no, it's just that. I, I know, I know, Colette. I'm, I'm joking, on my you? own. And when they were talking about it last night, I know what to do, the precautions and everything, and washing hands and all these things. I have to turn it off. Yeah, no, you're, you're right, because you can get consumed by the whole thing. But I'm glad you're not panicking anymore, Colette. I'm glad it's everything, everything's okay. And give Nathan the canary our regards. Real people. Real opinions. Real talk radio. The multi-award-winning Niall Boylan Show. Classic hit.